cool thing is, is that we've hit John chapter 6, Jesus the miracle worker. Uh, how appropriate uh, when we need a miracle uh, to pull off something like a dream like that. That's just going to be wow. Uh, God is going to be so praised and glorified when we cut the ribbon and, and, and go into our new facility. It's going to be so exciting. So Jesus the miracle worker, John chapter 6. And uh, let's just take a minute to talk about some fun food facts that I've found here. And they've got to be true because they're on Google. So <laughs> it must be true. The world's largest lollipop weighed just over one tonne. That's a big lollipop. That's a lot of licking. The largest cookie ever made was a chocolate chip cookie, 34 feet in diameter. That's about over 10 metres in diameter, with nearly 4 million chocolate chips. Anyone want a bit of that chocolate? Come on, somebody. Bring it to church. Let's change communion. Not have dodgy wafers, but let's have chocolate chips. Come on. The longest meatloaf on record, I don't mean the singer meatloaf, the, the food meatloaf, 3,491 feet. That's about like 1,100, 1,200 metres, something like that. Uh, that's, that's long. That's a lot of meatloaf. That would feed a small nation. The largest omelette was 1,324 square feet and was made in a frying pan 41 feet. You came to church to hear all this, didn't you? This is exciting. This is my kind now. The largest pizza, Trish. The largest pizza ever baked was 122 feet in diameter. That's like 40 metres plus. That's, the, that's a big pizza. Give me a slice of that. Well, the largest crowd fed with five loaves and two small fishes. See what I did there? <laughs> Segways. Nice. Slid right in there to the word of God. The largest crowd fed with five loaves and two small fishes. Fishes. It's fish. I know it's fish, but I'm saying fishes, fishies, whatever. Uh, lived in Jesus' day. And uh, it was 5,000 men, the Bible says, but I'm sure women and children were close by. The Bible doesn't give us a specific number, but, you know, men are on a t- tight leash any time of the day, aren't they? Let alone, you know, oh, I'll stop now. My wife's not here to belt me. Uh, but there would have been women and kids as well. So uh, the, all the Gospels covered this. So it was a significant event. All four Gospels. You don't find many things recorded in every um, Gospel when it comes to the works of Jesus and what, he's, what, he, what he did. But uh, it's obviously an important event and significant because they all wrote about it. And, and this is where Jesus brings in the I am description. I am, capitals, all capitals, I am, uh, of himself. And these statements point to the fact that he is God. And he'll provide what we need for our spiritual lives. That's what he's talking about. So Jesus' feeding of more than 5,000 people was sort of the peak of his popularity. He, it, like he was charging at that point. Everyone was like, hearing about his miracles. You know, we've read so far about the water turning into wine, uh, the miracle of the woman at the well where, you know, he, he told me everything I ever knew and she's told everyone. And, and, and the healing, we've just come out of John chapter 5, the healing of the man at the pool of Bethesda, the lame man on the Sabbath, mind you, and caused a bunch of controversy. So Jesus is at the peak of his popularity. And up until now, his popularity uh, was increasing 
But after this miracle, he starts teaching about his death. And as a result, the number of his disciples or people following him starts to go down. Because death is depressing, right? You start, you, you know, turn water into wine. Yeah, I'm at that party. You know, feed the 5,000. Well, more than 5,000. We're going to look at that in a minute. You know, I'll be there because, you know, I like a good feed. But start talking to me about death. Well, that's a bit boring. I'm going to go back to my farm or go back to my work or whatever it is. So let's move to John. Um, actually, I've got a video. So the Chosen hasn't done these scenes yet. So sorry, it's not the Chosen. Um, so it's not the same, I know. But just have a look at the screen if we get the lights again. That'd be good. After this, Jesus went across Lake Galilee, or Lake Tiberius, as it is also called. A large crowd followed him because they had seen his miracles of healing the sick. Jesus went up a hill and sat down with his disciples. The time for the Passover festival was near. Jesus looked around and saw that a large crowd was coming to him. food to feed all these people. He said this to test Philip. Actually, he already knew what he would do. For everyone to have even a little, it would take more than 200 silver coins to buy enough bread. Another one of his disciples, Andrew, who was Simon Peter's brother, said, There is a boy here who has five loaves of barley bread and two fish. They will certainly not be enough for all these people. Make the people sit down. There was a lot of grass there, so all the people sat down. There were about 5,000 men. Jesus took the bread gave thanks to God. And distributed to the people who were sitting there.
he did the same with the fish. And they all had as much as they wanted. When they were all full, he said to his disciples, Gather the pieces left over. Let us not waste a bit. So they gathered them all and filled twelve baskets with the pieces left over from the five barley loaves which the people had eaten. Seeing this miracle that Jesus had performed, the people there said, Surely this is the prophet who was to come into the world. Jesus knew that they were about to come and seize him in order to make him king by force, so he went off again to the hills by himself. <laughs> so how do you reckon they'd go with the COVID safe check-in app? That'd be, that'd be interesting. Anyway, there's, um, there's a high pitch thing going on. I wonder if it's my... Is my phone up there? No? Maybe the battery's about to go on this, Russ. I'll, um, I'll take it off and I'll just use the wireless one here. If you want to turn this off. While we're waiting for that, I'll use this one. That one works. <laughs> cool. So, wow. Ima imagine being there. I know we read it in our Bible, and we know that Jesus multiplies the bread and the fish, and you can read it, but then when you see it, it's just like you can imagine the enormity of what he did. It wasn't just a little, oh, yeah, here's a bit more food. You saw all the people, and he fed all the people. So... Jesus had healed the lame man uh, and sparred with the Jewish leaders like he did. He caused a bit of controversy back in John chapter 5. And he needed some rest and relaxation. So he decided to cross the Sea of Galilee to get away from the crowd. But they followed him anyway, hoping for more miracles. Because once you've seen something, you want more, don't you? It's like, well, if you've done that, imagine what more he could do. So... The people were hungry, and not just uh, hungry for bread and fish, but hungry... Oh, there we go. There we go. <laughs> they were hungry to see more miracles. So, let's keep reading. Because we've read, that was what we just sort of saw. I didn't read that, did I? Better read that. After these things, Jesus went over the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias... Then a great multitude followed him because they saw his signs which he performed on those who were diseased. And Jesus went up on the mountain and there he sat with his disciples. And now the Passover feast of the Jews 
was near. So one lunch is about to feed a crowd. Let's carry on. Then Jesus lifted up his eyes and seeing a great multitude coming towards him, you saw it, he said to Philip, where shall we buy bread that these may eat? But this he said to test him, for he himself knew what he was about to do. So Philip answered him, 200 denarii worth of bread or silver in that translation is not sufficient for them that every one of them may have a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, there is a lad here who has five barley loaves. I was going to say barely loaves. <laughs> barley loaves and two small fish. But what are they among so many? So they're literally going for broke. <laughs> Their only option is, is a miracle because you're not going to feed all those people with such little amount. You, think, you would think this. Jesus' disciples, they've been with him for some time. They've watched him do many miracles now. You'd think they'd be primed for another one, wouldn't you? But instead, what is Jesus faced with? Doubt, uncertainty. You know, they, they, they have no idea how they're going to feed such a huge crowd. And you could argue that there could have been potentially fifteen to 20,000 people there. If there's 5,000 men, let's say, you know, most of them have a wife. Uh, you know, and then how many kids have they got? It's not 2.3 kids like what we have anymore. They probably have big families. There could have been 15,000, 20,000 people there needing food. Philip saw the problem clearly. It would take more than eight months' salary just to give everyone a bite. And they didn't have that kind of money. So they were at a quandary. What do we do? Andrew was a little more helpful. He brought along the little lad with the fish and the bread. But he knew that lunch wouldn't make a dent in the crowd's appetite, hardly. But Jesus, however, he knew how they were going to feed the crowd. He already knew. See, the disciples' initial response, according to the account in Mark, we're looking at John, but in Mark, it was to say, send the people away so they can go to surrounding countrysides and villages and buy themselves something to eat. So they were talking about sending them away in the book of Mark. They were not hard-hearted as such. They were just being realistic. Uh, what were they to do? How were they to feed such a big crowd? So it's, it's probably like us, if you were to compare. Many of us probably don't watch TV anymore, but if, you, if you're watching TV and you see, let's say, refugees trying to get to safety, trying to get out of their country because there's, there's a war, there's whatever, and they're trying to get across the border, and we're watching this on TV, I mean, you'd be heartless if you didn't feel compassion. I think most of us in this room would feel some sort of compassion. I wish I could do something. But the problem is so huge, what can I do? I think it's similar. There's 10, 15, 20,000 people coming towards Jesus and his disciples and they look hungry. <laughs> and I'm sure they had compassion. They're like, we want to give them a feed, but how do we possibly do it? The realism, uh, being realistic, conquered the mind. Uh, they felt compassion, but they felt helpless. Kind of like how we'd feel watching refugees on the TV. You know, what could I possibly do? I've got a willingness to do something, but I just don't know what it would be. It's like a drop in the pan for me offering help. It's, it's, it's that frustration of being willing, but just not knowing what you could do. So let's continue. John chapter 6, 10 to 13 says, Then Jesus said, Make the people sit down. 
Now, there was much grass in the place, so it was the biggest picnic ever. It doesn't say that. So the men sat down in number about 5,000, and Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to the disciples and the disciples to those sitting down, and likewise of the fish as much as they wanted. So when they were filled, he said to his disciples, gather up the fragments that remain so that nothing is lost. I like that. Jesus doesn't like us wasting. So he gives us an abundance and a lot of times overflow of abundance, but let's not waste the overflow. Uh, Gather up the fragments that remain so that nothing is lost. Therefore they gathered them up and filled 12 baskets with the fragments of the five barley loaves which were left over by those who had eaten. So we now have God and Son catering. (laughs) It's a new business. It's going gangbusters. It's feeding thousands of people. Uh, It's very exciting. Since Jesus already had the problem solved in his mind, he knew what was going to be done. He instructed his disciples to have the people to sit down on the grass, chill out, and uh, we're going to have the biggest picnic the world has ever seen. So from the other accounts of this event, we can assume that the miracle took place in Jesus' hands. I think even the video showed us. Jesus was blessing the food and then he was passing it to the disciples to hand out. So the miracle was happening at the point of Jesus' hands as he gave the food for distribution. And as a result, this young boy, his generosity multiplied incredibly to feed lunch to the thousands that were in attendance. It's good to know that even Jesus believed in using leftovers. I think every mum in the house would be saying amen to that because it's about using up the... When we were kids and we would have dinner on uh, the end of the week, which was Friday is the end of the working week back then, Monday to Friday, you didn't work weekends. Now it's all a blur, we just work every day. Uh, But Monday to Friday, so Friday night, guess what we had for dinner? It was called this. It was called if it's. If it's. If it's there, you can have it. If it's not, you can't. So it was leftovers. So whatever you'd had the four nights leading up, there were leftovers that accumulated over the week. Friday night was leftovers night. You'd finish off the leftovers and it was called if it's. If it's, you can borrow that or you can take that, do whatever you want with it. If it's there, you can have it. If it's not, you can't. So that's what we had. Let's keep going. John chapter 6, 14 and 15 says this. Then those men, when they had seen the sign that Jesus did, said... This is truly the prophet who is to come into the world. Therefore, when Jesus perceived that they were about to come and take him by force to make him king, he departed again to the mountain by himself alone. See, he knew it wasn't his time to be put on a pedestal and made king and take over, defeat Rome. And These are all the things that came from the the religious leaders' teachings, the Pharisees. They expected Messiah to come to be this kingly, you know, warrior that was going to come and defeat Rome. Uh, But that's not who Messiah is, as we know. The scripture tells us about who Jesus is, coming meek and mild and strong yet kind, all of those things. So their people then, naturally, he's done this amazing wonder and all of a sudden they want to make him king, like make him, put him on a pedestal and make a big noise about it. The people got all excited, as you would. Again, imagine if you were there and you saw there was just these measly little bits of bread and fish and the thousands were fed. You'd be pretty pumped, wouldn't you? You'd be like, this guy is like, woo, he is awesome. So they were excited and they even had visions of Moses, you know, when the manna from heaven came down, you know, because they, they, they've read about that. They know the law. And they're like, oh, this is just like that. 
you know, and as a result of this miracle, the people wanted to use Jesus to make him a king to gain freedom from Roman rule. But before they could manipulate him, he exits stage left and, and gets, tries to get to some solitude. Because really, Jesus has come to offer us spiritual salvation. Do you agree? Not political salvation. He's come to offer us spiritual salvation. And so after the feeding of the 5,000, there was a clamour to crown him king, but what a king he would be. If you were there, you'd be like, this guy would, is, is the anointed. He's going to be amazing. You know, he could feed the country without effort. No cost. He can just make food come. You know, no, no resource, no fanfare. He just made it happen. Goodbye fishing. Goodbye baking bread. Hello, Easy Street. Who doesn't want to make Jesus king? Come on. That's why they wanted to make him king. But see, Jesus not only fed thousands of people enough food to satisfy them, but in addition, he provided so many leftovers, so much overflow. And that's typical of Jesus. You know, he often gives us more than enough, more than we ask for. And I just think that's awesome about our God. Because we think we know what we need, but then God comes and goes, whoosh, there it is. And it's just always, has that been your experience? You've always just had more than enough when you've needed it. Uh, not when you think you've needed it. That's the difference. Some people focus on, well, I was in this situation and I didn't get that. And, but in the long run, when you look back over your life, I'm sure all of us could agree that at the right time, God comes through and provides what we need. And you might be in a situation right now where you're feeling... Um, you know, a bit downtrodden because you're not getting what you're praying for. Like, I don't want to pick on Trish, but we're believing for Corey to come back home. And we want it to happen yesterday, not tomorrow, yesterday. And it can be discouraging when you're believing for a miracle like that and you can't see it happening. But we sung it today, don't we? Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop working. It's not just a clever song, it's biblical. God is always at work in our midst. The young boy gave Jesus all he had, even though it wasn't much. He didn't keep it for himself. He didn't give Jesus just a part of his lunch. He gave his whole lunch. And as a result, Jesus multiplied it to feed thousands. Imagine what he can do with our little. That's why I say, pray about this first fruits giving. You might think, well, this... This little $10, this little $100, this little $1,000, it's a drop in the pan for the hundreds of thousands that's needed to build that thing. But you know what? God can take the little and he can multiply it and make it much. We've just got to be obedient and give what he puts on our heart to give. He put on that boy's heart to give his whole lunch. What's he, what's he speaking to you? That's why as a pastor, I'll never be religious about you need to give this much or that much and this often and that. No, 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 no. As a pastor, I want you to pray and say, God, use me. What would you have me do? That's, that's the only way we can go. Jesus multiplies this small little lunch to feed thousands. So what do we have that we can give Jesus? Well, you might say, I don't have money. Well, have you got time? Have you got possessions? Have you got yourself? You know, sometimes when we talk about giving, we focus on the money aspect, but there's so much more of us to give than just our finances. The more you give, the more he's going to give back to you. So volunteer. Do something in the life of the church. Help out on a welcome team. Join us at kids and youth and 
whatever. If you're not volunteering in the life of the church, do it because God will bless that as well. He will bless you for giving your time. John chapter 6, uh, disappearing act. That's Jesus disappearing. Here we go. got into a boat, and went back across the lake towards Capernaum. Jesus doing a runner. <laughs> Night came on, and Jesus still had not come to them. By then, a strong wind was blowing and stirring up the water. had rolled about three or four miles when they saw Jesus walking on the water. the boat reached land at the place they were heading for. Next day, the crowd which had stayed on the other side of the lake realized that there had only been one boat there. They knew that Jesus had not gone in it with his disciples, but that they had left without him. Other boats, which were from Tiberias, came to shore near the place where the crowd had eaten the bread after the Lord had given thanks. When the crowd saw that Jesus was not there, nor his disciples, they got into those boats and went to Capernaum, looking for him. <laughs> See the look on the disciples' faces in the boat? Again, can you imagine? We read it in the Bible, but then imagine, put yourself there. You're in a boat, and you see a person on the water in the distance. You're not just going to go, oh, fiddle-dee-dee, it's Jesus. You're, I don't even think that did it justice. They would have been screaming, freaking out. What is that? Uh, it's a huge thing that they've seen. Um, there we go. Let's keep going. John 6, 16 to 18 says, Now when evening came, his disciples went down to the sea, got into the boat, went over the sea towards Capernaum, and it was already dark, and Jesus had not come to them. Uh, then the sea arose because a great wind was blowing. So we just saw they were sailing into a storm. Uh, after the impromptu picnic, which went really well, Jesus' disciples set sail without their leader across the Sea of Galilee towards Capernaum. However, they hadn't counted on dealing with a storm in the dark. Uh, and again, the boats those days are not the boats we have now. 
So it's quite scary to be stuck in a storm. So the Sea of Galilee is a lake in northern Israel, and it's eight miles wide at the widest point, 13 miles long. Gives you an idea of its size. Uh, It's 600 feet below sea level, how it's positioned, and it's surrounded by hills. So if you know anything about weather, uh, it's known for sudden violent storms because of that location, size and nature around it. The disciples were probably more than halfway across, hence there's no way they're going back. Uh, We've just got to keep plodding along and hope that we make it through this storm. You know, the Lord has to balance our lives, doesn't he? We need balance. I think that's important. Uh, Otherwise, we become proud. You know, if everything's always going great, no, I'm not going to be that person that says, well, God brings bad things along to keep you level. No. But there needs to be balance. And we don't want to get proud and then fall. You know, everything's always great and we boast about it and it becomes all about that. The disciples had experienced great joy in being part of all these miracles that were happening and including the the feeding of the 5,000. But now they were facing a storm without Jesus in the boat. And so they're learning to trust in him when he's not even there. That's what they had to do. The storm was like an examination after the miracle, which was the experience. You know, they've had this, they've had this lesson in seeing Jesus multiply and provide, but now they're in the storm. Are they going to trust Jesus to get them through the storm? We'll keep reading. So when they had rowed about three or four miles, they saw Jesus walking on the sea and drawing near the boat, and they were afraid. (laughs) They could have written so much more there. Screams of horror, terror, hiding under the sails, whatever. They would have been afraid. But he said to them, uh, it is I, do not be afraid. Then they willingly received him into the boat, and immediately the boat was at the land where they were going. So Jesus can... Walk on water. But, yeah, and make boats go fast. We're touching on that. So by now, the, the disciples should have been ready for anything, really. But they're still in the storm. There's doubt. There's fear. We're going to drown. You know, as far as Jesus is concerned, they should have been ready for anything. But when they saw him walking on the water in the middle of the storm, they freaked out. They did. They freaked out. You know, well, wouldn't you? If it was you? If, and you saw someone walking on water, you would freak out in a storm. You, you'd think it's a ghost, it's whatever, you, you, we're done for. But when in Jesus introduced himself and they recognised his voice, they welcomed him on board the boat. And then another miracle occurred, and Trisha already um, touched on it. The boat comes to shore instantly. So it's like they're right in this storm now. <laughs> 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 it's like in stereo, it's great. Uh, they are immediately at shore. That would have been pretty freaky. All of a sudden, and the storm's calmed, everything's cool. Because Jesus is in the house. All right. We're nearly done. On the following day, when the people who were standing on the other side of the sea saw that there was no other boat there except that one which the disciples had entered, and that Jesus had not entered the boat with the disciples, but that his disciples had gone away alone, however... Other boats came from Tiberias near the place where they ate bread after the Lord had given thanks. And when the people therefore saw that Jesus was not there, nor his disciples, they also got into boats and came to Capernaum seeking Jesus. All of a sudden there's this hunger to seek 
to find him. And they didn't see him leave, but they didn't see him there. So they're like, we've got to go. Because surely the disciples have gone to wherever he is. You know, in the morning, the people who were still there looked for Jesus. They're trying to find him. They're seeking. They're hungry. Maybe spiritually, but also physically. You know, he fed us lunch the other day. Maybe he's going to give us breakfast this morning. I don't know. But they're they're trying to find him. They only saw the disciples leave on the one boat. And since they hadn't seen Jesus get into that boat, they naturally wondered where he was. And after the boats had arrived from Tiberias, the people used them to get across the lake towards Capernaum because they were seeking Jesus. They wanted to find him. Seeking the supplier. And when they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? Because they're like... How did that happen? Jesus answered them and said, Most assuredly, I say to you, you seek me not because you saw the signs, but because you ate of the loaves and were filled. Do not labor for the food which perishes, but for the food which endures to everlasting life, which the Son of Man will give you, because God the Father has set his seal on him. Then they said to him, What shall we do that we may work the works of God? Jesus answered and said to them, This is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he sent. So they're revealed to have vain reasons. Oh, we don't want that yet. We won't sneak ahead. Vain reasons. The people were looking for Jesus for all the wrong reasons. I think they were looking for breakfast. They were hungry for the signs and the miracles. Do something again, Jesus. Do another party trick. Show us the miraculous. Like so many people today, the crowd was focused on what they could do to earn God's favour. They're trying to get there to please him and be, be there and, and seek him out for the wrong reasons. And they were confident that they could earn their way into God's club of preferred members. That's not how it works, is it? God doesn't want our works. He wants our faith in his son. He wants us to believe in Jesus. Here's something to ponder as I come to a close this morning. Jesus invites us, all of us, to come to him. Come to him with our needs. He wants to spend time with us. But sometimes we seek him for selfish reasons like the crowd did. They only wanted more physical food. They only wanted more signs and wonders. They wanted the the, the supernatural, the, 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 the magic, so to speak. We know it's not magic. It's Jesus' miracle working power. But they wanted to see the the signs and the wonders. But sometimes, uh, all the time, God wants more from us than that. He doesn't want us to come for the sideshow. You know, he doesn't want us to come just for the physical food, the nourishment, those things. They only wanted that back then and sometimes we can go to him for what what we need and what we want. Sometimes we expect miracles on demand kind of world we live in now isn't it the instant world we want what we want and we want it now today yesterday actually you're running late god hurry up (laughs) neither of these reasons get us into a relationship with jesus seeking him for those things he wants our hearts he wants our hearts have a look at this video as we come to a close
Love that. Encouraging words from Psalm 27 today. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? One thing I have desired of the Lord, that will I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. To behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. I believe that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait on the Lord. Be of good courage and he shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Now, for the Bible scholars, it is paraphrased. There are bits missed out. It's okay. (laughs) You can go and read the whole psalm yourself later. But what is our question today? It says, inquire in his temple. What is our question today? What are we inquiring about? God's desire is that you would see his goodness in this life today. So all he asks is that we wait on him, invite him in and be of good courage and allow him to strengthen our hearts while we wait on him. I also like how it says, you'll see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. You can see God's goodness in your life today. Many people think, oh, that's for the afterlife and that'll happen when I die and rah, rah, rah. But God says that when we surrender our heart to him, when we accept Jesus, when we confess with our mouth and believe in our heart, we can experience his goodness. We sung it in the first song today. His goodness is running over us. We can experience it today in the land of the living. So I want to encourage you in this place. Reach out to him. Let him in and experience his goodness today and in the life to come. But the good part is you get to experience it now. Would you bow your heads and encourage people in this place today? And uh, if you're watching online at home as well, we want to encourage you. Inquire of the Lord. Ask the right questions. Invite Jesus to come. Confess with your mouth that he is Lord. Believe in your heart that he's raised from the dead. The scripture tells us we will be saved. And so if you're in this place today and you want to surrender your life to Jesus, accept him and experience his goodness today for your life, Would you just lift up your hand and I just know that I'm including you in in our prayer right now. And if you're at home and online, I don't need to see your hand because God sees your heart. So lift up your hand in your living room, wherever you are, and surrender to Jesus. Yeah, I see that hand. That's great. Surrender to Jesus and you'll experience his goodness overflowing in your life. Why don't you say this prayer after me? Let's say it together. Dear Jesus. I thank you that you came and that you died for me, that I may experience your goodness, your love, your mercy, your grace today. And so I now believe in my heart that God raised you from the dead. I confess with my mouth that you are my Lord and I'm now Christian. I live my life for you and I long to experience your goodness every day of my life as I continue to serve you and put you first. I pray this in Jesus' name.
Amen. Amen. Can we praise God because people have surrendered their life today? God's good. Who's ready for some coffee and some fellowship? Can smell the coffee. That's your idea. So you put the, you, you let the, the vapors of coffee smell come and it, people start drooling and you brought, you, <laughs> oh, you've got in already. He's got his biscuits. He's good to go. God bless you. God keep you. Go before you, behind you, all around about you. And uh, let's have fellowship together. Be blessed. Can we also welcome Ian back? Because Ian's back as well. We didn't do that yet. But <laughs> Good to have you back, Ian. Bless you. Everyone give Ian a COVID safe hug in the foyer. All right. Bless you.